Hello and welcome back to Cerebral Conversations. My name is Ben McCallery. And I'm Andy McLean. Hello. In today's episode, we're talking tech, innovation, and we're getting down to business. Our guests are Naomi Simpson and Pete Horsley. Now, many listeners will already know Naomi as the entrepreneur, a former shark from the Shark Tank reality TV show, and of course, the founder of Red Balloon, the home of a gazillion and one amazing experiences and things to do in Australia. And Pete, well, Pete's the founder of Remarkable, a tech accelerator program made possible by Cerebral Palsy Alliance, which is building an ecosystem of innovators focused on tech solutions that will unleash human potential. Now, the two of them get along like a house on fire. It's a great discussion. Together, they talk about a whole bunch of things, including the power and potential of technology to change lives for the better, why businesses and entrepreneurs need to stay close to their customers and communities, how Pete and Naomi get themselves in the zone to create and innovate, and how many businesses are missing out by not harnessing the problem-solving skills and ingenuity of people with disability. Because really, they've had to hack together solutions all the time because the world wasn't built for their needs. Yeah, Andy, I was so surprised by how much tech we have access to today that was actually created or originated from a place of necessity by someone with a disability. Yeah, and oh my gosh, there are so many useful tips in this episode for anyone who's trying to overcome challenges or start a business or just think of it differently. Both Andy and I run our own businesses, so we've been furiously taking notes while listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Naomi, I've I've been a big fan of yours and your role in the innovation and startup ecosystem for a long time. A lot of us know the Red Balloon story, but what are you up to now? What, what's happening in your world right now? I continue to be passionate about the difference I can make to other human beings. And, you know, most people know Red Balloon and the startup story from home and creating and pioneering one of the first marketplaces in Australia. And most people know that story, but what they don't realize is whilst Red Balloon is a gifting site and we, you know, package up experiences and people give them for gifts to either friends, family, or at work, for instance, it's about the impact that we're having on community. And as a marketplace, every single one of those represents a customer for small business. And we've delivered literally millions, like 8 million customers to small businesses around Australia and New Zealand. And as Red Balloon has grown, so have those small businesses. We gave them a brand and we deliver customers to them. And in small business right now, it is really, really hard to get customers. And that's not just during the pandemic. We find that it's very expensive as people try to navigate how the digital platforms work. You know, one day they spend five bucks and they get a customer. The next day they spend 10 bucks and they get zero customers. And they don't know why, because they're facing um, or they're trying to understand algorithms that are almost impossible to understand. You know, I keep loving what I'm doing, but also after working in my business for 20 years, and we created the Big Red Group with my business partner, David Anderson, about four years ago, with the intention that we could use the same supply base, but serve it to different audiences. And Big Red Group is the house of Adrenaline, Lime and Tonic, Red Balloon and others. And we've done that really, really effectively. But after 
20 years of being operationally driven within my business, as well as doing other things on the side, it's time to do something else. So as of the 1st of July, 2021, I became a non-executive director of my own business um, and started taking on other directorships. Uh, I continue with my speaking and my podcasting and my blogging because part of what I do is be role model which is why I did Shark Tank uh, and why I write books and why I do podcasts. But the other thing is that I want to share what I've learned and really impact other communities. Another reason why I've chosen to be a part of a entrepreneur in residence program for schools called Aspire. So there's very much a synergy in what I do, which is about how do I take what I've learned and share it in as far and a wide in our community as I possibly can. So, Pete, I love the remarkable story, but share with our listeners, what is the remarkable story? That moment, you know, that first idea, that where did it all start moment? It actually started with a a bit by accident, actually. Uh, And colleagues of mine, we were running a a global awareness day for cerebral palsy. And we didn't just want to run a day for a day's sake. We, We wanted it to have some kind of purpose. And so, Um, again colleagues of mine came up with this concept of uh, what would be one thing that would change someone's world and they had to kind of state it in a very short period of time we wanted kind of pithy you know problem areas that we could solve for and so we called this campaign change my world in one minute and we actually had people kind of inputting from all over the world Uh, people with cerebral palsy were, were putting problem areas up and one of the ones that actually got quite a lot of votes, one of the, the highest levels of votes was a man by the name of Alpa who was living in a small country town in, in Turkey. And, and he said the one thing that would change his world is if someone could create him a solar-powered wheelchair. We're like, okay, wow. interesting. Um, uh, it, it ended up getting a whole bunch of votes and lots of other people said, yeah, that would be a really exciting thing to do. And so, and one of the things that he had said that he, he did have a powered chair, but um, his chair currently didn't hold enough charge to to get him very far away from where he was. And he was stuck in this catch-22 situation of uh, where he could afford to live was outside of town. It was a little way out of town. And of course, where all the jobs were, were in town. So in order for him to earn enough money to buy a new chair, he had to be in where the jobs were. And so he was stuck in this catch-22 situation. And he also oh. said that uh, he wanted to worship at a temple on the other side of town. And so his, his, his current chair was kind of limiting his life in so many ways. And so we put it out to the worldwide maker community and said, can anyone make a solar powered wheelchair? And uh, we had the University of Virginia in the US actually put their hand up and said, yeah, we can, we can do it. So we awarded them hmm. some money and uh, they, they created this thing. And it is to this day, probably what I think is one of the ugliest prototypes I think I've ever seen. It was literally <laughs> some solar panels on the top of this frame, but you know what? It worked. And we, wow. we gave them some money to ship the prototype over to Alpa in, in Turkey. And within days of him getting that wheelchair, uh, he sent us selfies back of him outside the temple. He said, this oh. is the temple that I wanted to worship at. And about six weeks later, we found out he had a part-time job. And so we got this inkling that this is technology changing the life of someone with disability. This is technology removing those barriers. But it was just one person. And it, you know, it wasn't kind of going into production line of producing many, many solar-powered wheelchairs. And so 
we then um, started thinking, how do we actually do this at scale? And that was where we started to say, you know what, we could support these early stage ideas, give them some, some, um, some enterprise money so that they can actually build out some of what they're doing and give them the supports to think about the business model, the approach that they might have to the market and how do they actually create themselves as a business? And that really was the seed of what is now called Remarkable. Oh, wow. It is such a beautiful story. And it just goes to say sometimes it's the functionality over the design, uh, which is so important. He just needed to get from A to B and get where he wanted to be uh, and needed to be. And look at the transformation, you know, that the, the ability to earn. There's one thing that I also wanted to talk about that for COVID, you know, people with disability can work anywhere. And, you know, often transport is a big issue uh, of getting people to and from a workplace. So it's a real opportunity for employers to open their eyes, their ears and their hearts, knowing that people with a disability who no longer have to present you know, nine to five and struggle with uh, public transport. It's a real opportunity. And we've got incredible research around uh, the productivity um, of people with disability in terms of um, being truly present and really loving having fulfilling and wonderful careers. And when you take out that notion of having to commute, uh, it's a really, really great thing. And one thing that I'm encouraging employers to do is just think differently uh, when you no longer need to know where somebody is they you just need to know they're going to be brilliant at their career and when they come with so much passion and determination I think it's it's a wonderful opportunity that's it situation that COVID has created has actually been some of the impetus to to allow people to work from home and that has been the very thing that many people within the dis disability community have been calling for for years. So it's, it's amazing to see the speed at which we can actually make change when we need to. And, uh, and we should have been listening to our disabled friends and colleagues much, much earlier around this. And, and so I guess um, in, in your work, you've also been involved with the Cerebral Palsy Alliance over a number of years. What, what, what are some of the kind of key elements that you look for in in how you make change happen and I guess if, if we think kind of particularly around innovators and entrepreneurs what do you think are the key ingredients for, an, for an, a great entrepreneur? I was trying to remember how long I have been involved with cerebral palsy and I think it's coming up for 10 years um, and I've sat as a governor on the research foundation and one of the reasons that I do that is because for me, research is the key to change. And if you want to make the biggest difference, it's about leverage. Everything for me is about leverage. I only have 24 hours in a day, but how do I use those to the greatest advantage? And for me, research makes the biggest difference. So um, like the work that you're doing at Remarkables, which is seed capital effectively, and then once you've made that investment, it also gives a brand presence for all those innovators because they've, they've got your tick of approval. So then if I think about the entrepreneurs I work with, it's always about leverage. So when, they, when I think about the energy and time it takes to get a customer if you spent the same energy and time, could you get more customers by working with someone else, by looking for partnerships, by looking for distribution? 
So I'm always looking to amplify or leverage the efforts. So when I'm looking for or working with the entrepreneurs I work with, it's a one-to-many, one-to-many, not one-to-one, because um, it's it's very hard to get a return on the cost to acquire a customer when you're just going one by one by one. Um, and, you know, if I think about how does that apply to your business, I'd love to hear some of the stories about some of the greatest leverage that you've got from um, your invested businesses. Yeah, you know, right back from the beginning, it was really interesting working with one, some of the founders from a, a company called Ability Made. They wanted to use uh, 3D printing for the good of people with disability. And they were looking at all of the assistive devices that people were being prescribed and Many of those were really quite expensive and they could see that the, the power that 3D printing could have to, to make that much more accessible, much, much cheaper. The, the story that they came to us was actually a young girl who had been quoted uh, $1,000 to get a customized wheelchair controller. She couldn't quite use the, I don't know if you remember the kind of the old Atari video games that had the yeah, little kind of ball yeah. and stick, you know, um, yeah. um, a lot of those are, are used as controllers for powered wheelchairs. And she couldn't actually use that one with uh, the way that her hand was because of her cerebral palsy. And so she had been quoted $1,000 and was told to wait six months to have a customized wheelchair controller made for her. And, and these guys wow. looked at that and just said, that is ridiculous. Like we've got to be able to do something. And so they sat down with her for literally about 40 minutes. And for the cost of about 37 cents of material, they had given her a customized, they'd given her 10 actually customized wheelchair controllers. And we said, that's a great story. That's fantastic. But in, in thinking about kind of leverage, we said that, you know, how many other people around um, Australia or even, you know, uh, around the world need customized wheelchair controllers? And, and the answer was probably a relatively small mark. And so we said, well, how about we try and find another market that you can utilize this technology so that that can be the base of your product line? And, uh, and we introduced them to one of our board members uh, who they had told the story of, of the day that um, her daughter, who had cerebral palsy, had been uh, fitted with an orthotic. So an orthotic, I'm sure you, you know, this is an ankle, um, this one was an ankle orthotic. So it's a, a little yeah. kind of piece of plastic that goes over the ankle that tries to correct kind of um, where the muscles might be pulling the foot in a different direction. So for her daughter, she would stand up on a toe and she'd also have one of her feet turned inwards. And they were trying to correct that with the use of orthotics. They said that the day that she got that orthotic fitted was probably the second worst day of their child's life. Oh. Literally, they had to have four grown adults holding her down while oh. they, they physically manipulated the foot into the position that they wanted it. Um, she was screaming in pain. She was scared. Um, they then take a plaster cast of that, have to wait there and have to hold it there while the plaster oh. sets, then cut off the plaster cast. And um, that's incredibly scary again for a, for a young girl. She was only a couple of years of age at this stage. And oh. when they heard this story, they said, we can do something about that. We can, we can actually create a way of digitally capturing that foot rather than having to physically manipulate that foot into the position. And so they captured, they used a 3D scanning process and created a 3D scanner um, at the very early stages. And this is a much bigger market that they can leverage for, um, for their purposes. 
Now Ability Made has gone on to raise some capital. They've raised um, a, a few million dollars in capital. They've, um, they've got uh, clinics all over the country with orthotists who are using their technology. And it's, it's really exciting to see the way that that business has grown. And, you know, I, I think that it's so rewarding, and I'm sure you would have seen this as well, where you you help kind of with with one part of what we can give that ends up kind of directing that that organization or that that company into into a certain direction have you got kind of examples of companies that you've mentored over the years that have done the similar sort of thing you know what i hear so clearly in that story is when you see the impact that you have on other human beings that's what drives our purpose and often we see that the larger an enterprise becomes, the less connected they are to the humanness of business as they begin to use algorithms and, you know, smart technology to review their reviews and so forth. And nothing ever beats understanding or, or listening to and hearing customers. And, you know, as a founder, I'm always customer obsessed. I need to know the stories. And it's the stories that we don't often get to hear will drive the biggest change or the biggest difference. You know, there's those who'll tell you how much you've had an impact and they love you, love you, love you. And then there's those who we didn't meet expectations and they're pretty quick to have a crack at us but it's the 90 percent in the middle that really is the opportunity for most businesses and many ideas and innovations come from those customers so when I'm working with entrepreneurs I always say how are you listening to your customers when you know you've got to kind of nurture them and uh, have listening posts uh, other than the standard, you know, how is it for you or the, you know, net promoter score or the will you rate my product is to hear the impact of your product, but then to say, how could we improve? What ideas do you have for us? And I say that also with the enterprises who have teams. It's often the people who are in the front line, who are serving customers, who see processes. And when we were coming back out of the 2020 COVID um, earlier in the year and we had uh, at Big Red Group a big, um, you know, all hands and everybody coming together and we said there is nothing sacred. So just because we've done it for 20 years, now is the time to make material changes. We might have been doing things in certain ways just because it was easier back then, but now there's technology or platforms or other things that can support us. And once we took the shackles off and set, and asked for everybody's ideas. We were an innovation machine. And I would argue that, you know, in the last 18 months, we've pr produced more innovation ourselves than we have in, you know, the five years earlier because it was a mind shift. So my job when I'm working with an entrepreneurs is to help them shift their mind. And as you know, for any business owner, they're so busy sometimes just chasing their tail and working through their inbox. Um, then they're working in their business. They don't get that energy and that chance to reflect, ask questions, be deeply curious and set aside that time to understand and learn from those people around them. You know, they do say the new CEO is really stands for customer, employee, and outsider, because it may well be community that has those ideas for your enterprise to make sure you stay really connected with community and 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 that you become that you remain uh, relevant. And I think relevance is equally important if we look at the 
technology in your particular space, you know, what do you see coming down the line? What What's some of the most exciting things that you see that you're working on? And what's this year's cohort like? Well, we've just finished uh, this year's cohort. So we are on the hunt for next year's cohort, which is really exciting. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, it, it's interesting hearing your reflections around, you know, the context allowing us to think differently. And, and I think that, you know, COVID has really been a huge disruptor everywhere, obviously, in the world. And, and it's really allowing us a chance to, to rethink um, perhaps some of the assumptions that we've made. And, you know, I think that if I think about this space of, of disability, I think some of the assumptions that I definitely hear time and time again is that, that you know, disability is the realm of, of charities and not-for-profits and well-meaning people, and, and that's all really great. But, you know, there's, there's actually this, this incredible opportunity uh, before us right now where not only do we see uh, incredible changes in technology all around us, and we need to harness that for the, for the use of, of um, all human experience, not just kind of those with, with certain kind of um, uh, human character traits. I think it needs to be used for all humanity. And then we, we've also got a really interesting moment in Australia right now where this thing called the National Disability Insurance Scheme is is if you like creating a marketplace or a market for, um, for people with disability and their families to make choices themselves, whereas previously they hadn't had um, the opportunity to make choices. So the things that I'm excited to see kind of come down the pipeline are really about harnessing some of that technology that, that we're starting to see kind of in other parts of our lives, um, things like AI and robotics and wearables, um, uh, sensor technology. So things like, uh, you know, seeing the, the role that um, robotics can have around um, personal assistance, uh, seeing the way that AI could be used so that environments could, could um, look at an individual and understand who they are and respond to that individual. So imagine if you're a wheelchair user that as you come into a room, it recognises that you're a wheelchair user and all the benches all of a sudden drop down 30 centimetres. Or um, you're someone who is neurodivergent and don't like kind of really bright colours and perhaps the colour of the paint actually changes in the room. There are incredible ways that we can harness this technology, um, be able to see the, the use of that technology and apply it to a problem space that I think has been really, really underexplored. Um, and that for me, I think is incredibly exciting. And we're, we're now starting to connect to innovators all around the world and, and see that uh, we can potentially have access to that technology here in Australia as well. We've got incredible connections into research laboratories in, in different parts of the world and, and much in the same way that uh, there wasn't a real focus on um, cerebral palsy research a number of years ago. We felt that mm. there's been a real under-resourcing in, um, in research and development around technology and disability as well. So um, we're incredibly excited to see, you know, what this kind of new disruption, I guess, what's the new normal going to look like on the other side? And so I'm, I'm really excited. Amazing. Really, really amazing. Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, I, I always like to tell stories about 
how, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention is a famous quote that's attributed oftentimes to Plato. And you see this space as being one that is full of different necessities. And I guess if we look at some of the technology that we've now got access to, a lot of those, many examples of those were actually created from a place of necessity by someone with a disability in the beginning. So mm-hmm. if we think about um, the World Wide Web, um, Vint Cerf is one of the forefathers of, of the World Wide Web. And he was a researcher um, who was working with a team of people and happened to have a, a hearing impairment. And so he was trying to figure out ways that he could avoid talking on the phone to the rest of his research team and ended up developing some of the earliest protocols around uh, the internet. Um, and SMS was created by um, a couple of Finnish inventors who were trying to um, see ways that they could communicate better with, uh, with deaf friends of theirs. And so this kind of, um, you know, place of, how do we look at this place of necessity as being um, one that that um, enables us to look for solutions um, in those places? And I guess I love hearing your example of of seeing COVID being a, a really rich, fertile ground to think differently about the world in front of us. Yeah, I do because you know if we look at it as a gift, you know it's very hard sometimes, but. It's not often in life that we get to reset. You know, it's absolutely well documented that often the greatest ideas pop into somebody's head when they're when they're at peace, when they're not under any stress, uh, when they're able to just be quiet and allow the brain to do what it does best, which is uh, to link. Uh, disparate and varying ideas but in my early days I was just run 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 and what I was doing to keep fit was uh, you know more of the same really I had a heart rate monitor and I was long distance running and I was going to the gym and I was pumping this that and the other thing and I finally worked out that I actually I needed the complete opposite for the outside you know so that's why I paint and that I you know yoga and meditation I just need the counterbalance for what is a very busy and I don't say stressful because it's very busy and productive but that's one thing that I would say to any innovator is have you got that counterbalance have you got that open brain space so where's your best creative space that is a really great question. How am I going to answer that one? <laughs> um, <laughs> I like a curly question. <laughs> I, I do completely agree with you that you need space in your life. And I, I often find that we run in seasons. So we run these things called accelerator programs. And that's kind of, you know, about four months long. They're incredibly intense because we're working kind of, you know, daily with our founders. And I really love that period of time just after the accelerator. We've kind of wrapped things up a little bit. And it's actually this kind of period that we find ourselves in right now that I've just got a little bit more headspace that that allows me to kind of um, lift my eyes a little bit and to kind of refocus on the horizon again. And I think, you know, um, for me personally, the, the spaces that I love um, that in is, is when I get out into nature. So I do have a dog. We, we bought a pandemic puppy during, uh, during COVID <laughs> um, a year ago, and, and, uh, and she's a very energetic dog. And so I love to get out with her in the mornings and, and be in nature. We live just near kind of 
um, a beautiful big um, area of forest um, in near Manly, and um, and so I love to to be out in nature and uh, to see the water, to see um, kind of nature around me. That's a place where I feel really energized. Um, but it is for me, I think about having that 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 mind space that um, that allows you to bring in, as you say, I love that kind of concept that you you talked about of those disparate ideas and then bringing those disparate ideas together to make something new is something that's really incredible. And I love that process. We've invested in seven, in 39 companies so far. Mm. What, what would you advise startups who are kind of at that, on that journey, they've taken on some investment. What are some of the other things kind of beyond having that space in their life? What are some of the other things that you would advise them to, to think about? So I've said a few things on that already. One is obviously to have some space in life. Secondly is to understand how they're listening to customers and learning for innovation. Mm -hmm. Thirdly is how are they connecting to community? And that's all about relevance. Uh, Fourthly is team members, employees can be the greatest source of innovation. And I suppose the next thing is, is about being prepared to dream. Because often, especially when you're in startup phase, it's hand to mouth. It's, oh, my goodness, can I put Wheaties on the table for my family? And often um, you don't dare to dream. So that means that you don't necessarily set up the frameworks, frameworks, systems and processes to allow your business to scale. And as exciting as it might sound, it's systems and processes that allow your business to scale. And, um, you know, for instance, being able to do businesses in other countries has become so much easier. And, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to do business in the UK, you kind of had to open an enterprise there. You had to you had to have a directory, local addresses and so forth before you could even open a bank account, similar in the US. An Australian innovative company, Airwallex, makes it easy to open bank accounts in any country. So what I'm finding with my Shark Tank businesses as exporters, being an exporter has become so much easier because it was all of those kind of, um, one would say, uh, red tape, for whatever bit of those things really slowed down uh, the innovator or, or the entrepreneur because, you know, you start with this brilliant idea, you're spending all of your energy on that. Then before you know it, you're so busy just doing the administration and the, you know, you sometimes wonder if you're moving one step forward. So I encourage my entrepreneurs to say, what would global domination look like? And if so, how are you setting up the processes and systems now? Uh, and if so, how, you know, what is it that is not your strength? And is there a piece of software or a platform that does that for you? Um, I'm very envious of the entrepreneurs now. You know, when I started, we had to build everything because you couldn't buy a marketplace. Now you can just buy a marketplace off the shelf and customize it, you know. So, so I'm challenging people to say, how do you keep a mind to other people's innovations that you can add to your own enterprise to make sure that you're scaling? Because often we only work in the realm of which we're working in and we don't even know what's available. So um, being prepared to dream, having the big, hairy, audacious goal that is truly audacious, but not unrealistic. So really challenge people to dream. Um, One of the things that I would do way back in the day is create a painted picture document. And that painted picture document is a dreaming document. It's not a 
business plan. It's allowing yourself to say, what would it be like if X happened? And I used to put funny ones in there too. What would it be like if Hugh Jackman just loved our business so much he did an ad for free? Or what would it be like if Qantas put the Red Balloon logo on the back of every boarding pass? And um, I must admit, a few years ago, uh, we did do a joint uh um, promotion with the Qantas and they did do that so you know you never know what's going to come through I'm still waiting for the Hugh Jackman one but you know allowing ourselves to dream is equally important um, and enjoying that because often that's where the energy comes from and it's the an energy that keeps us in flow and flow is where we get our productivity from and I love that you know when you've got no idea what happened to the day because it's all just disappeared and that's one of the joys of working in your purpose is feeling that energy and that passion which I think is you know absolutely gorgeous so where do you believe Remarkables is going to get to what's your dreaming what's it going to be like what impact is it going to have on a global stage we've seen Technologies like cochlear implants and powered wheelchairs that have really transformed the way that people with disability have autonomy and control and and can exercise their own freedoms. And I guess we dream of seeing the next game-changing technologies uh, being being designed and created potentially here in Australia. We'd love to see that. But increasingly, what we're also doing is, is reaching further networks in other countries. And so we've now got uh, partner organisations in places like Kenya and London and India and China and Canada, New Zealand and the US. And so uh, we, we're, we've got um, some, some great activities coming up uh, that's actually going to involve all of those partners, which we're really excited about. And really, we want to be able to see um, rather than this just being thought of as the realm of charities and not-for-profits, that we start to see this really being thought of as a sector that's that's to be taken seriously. You know, we talk about fintech and edtech and agtech. I would love to see disability tech as being kind of one of those that that is reported on by the Fin Review. Um, I would love to see um, that remarkable technologies actually don't become remarkable anymore <laughs> that you know that um that we actually see big companies that are designing in ways that actually fit the entirety of human experience rather than just designing for the middle 50th percentile i really do believe that we are missing out when we're not harnessing the the creativity the problem solving skills the um, ingenuity of people with disability who have you know, um, I've got a friend in Canada that, that talks about people with disability with the original life hackers. You know, they've had to hack together solutions all the time because the world wasn't built, you know, for their needs. And so I want to be able to harness that um, population of, of entrepreneur and innovator. And I want to see a greater focus and attention on this space, uh, greater investment, see those really, really cutting edge, exciting technologies. We want to, as an organization, continue to push the boundaries of, of what's possible. Um, and, and like you say, let's, let's dream big, but let's allow our friends and neighbors with disability to be the ones that are dreaming big and not to have all of these barriers that are continually put up in front of them. And we, and we see those barriers in lots of different ways. They're kind of played out through 
you know, worse um, education rates um, through unemployment rates for people with disability are much higher than, than in other populations. And so for us, it's about uh, how we continue to, to push over those barriers so that we see um, that remarkable technology is no longer remarkable anymore. So tell us, Pete, where is the remarkable story up to now? One of the things that I'm also super excited about is that we've just launched an international network of organisations that are really trying to promote uh, the opportunity that we've got to uh, see inclusive technology come to market. It's called the Inclusive Innovation Network. It, it involves startups from around the world. It involves accelerator programs and ecosystem enablers, kind of people working with startups. And also we're wanting to get investors on board as well. And so far we've got partners in Kenya, in London, in India, China, New Zealand, Canada, and the US. And we're really excited about bringing more attention and focus on this space so that we can see more innovation brought to um, the people who need it most. Naomi, I was going to ask you, what are you excited about on the horizon? It sounds like you're going through a really, really significant kind of um, life change yourself at the moment. And so what are you excited about that's on the horizon for, for you personally, and then for kind of innovation and small business as well? Yeah, I, I look for me personally. I, it, you know, we I've always wanted to have a little bit more uh, time to contribute in different sorts of ways. So, you know, now I will have more time to do boardroom briefings on the future of leadership. I've got more time for speaking engagements for um, the entrepreneur in residence in schools program uh, and even supporting uh, small businesses through my podcasts. Uh, one thing that's a surprise to me and it probably shouldn't be is more people have watched the Shark Tank Australia uh, YouTube channel uh, than I think ever watched it uh, on air. 3.3 million people kind of watching each episode. So it's just the show that keeps on giving. And, uh, you know, I can't, the delivery guy the other day, oh, you're the Red Shark. I can't believe I'm delivering something to the Red Shark, you know, so that's exciting. So I guess because I have this role in community, it is to make the most of it and to be a role model and to be a thought leader and to challenge people. And how do we change people's behaviours? And that is the most challenging things. Uh, and especially uh, as we've seen people um, coming out of the pandemic, it is the small businesses that have done it the hardest. Uh, it's not the biggest businesses who have people who are able to work remotely. It's the service people, the people who need Need to be in front of customers uh, are serving our community whether it be health and so forth so I think there's going to be a big job for me to do also to support how we reinvent our small business and give it the voice it needs uh, in our community and to not forget not forget it's the largest employer in the country and yet mm. it's the toughest job uh, and being a small business owner can be really really lonely when you go home you've had a pretty tough day and home might be just the spare bedroom by the way if you're working um, in lockdown situation then you come out and then the family's going so did you make any money today and it can be really really hard so mm. I think mental health for business owners is going to be an increasing um, need and so connecting people supporting people will be one of the things I continue to do I, I will I've got a few non-executive director roles and um, I'm sure I'll do one or two more just to keep my hand in and it's exciting times and it is the biggest change I've ever had I think since I left uh, corporate career. 
Well, Naomi, thank you for spending some time with us today and uh, for your continued support of Cerebral Palsy Alliance. And uh, yeah, really appreciate having a conversation with you today. It's so fantastic to hear where you're up to, Pete. And I look forward to getting to the next remarkable day, uh, Innovation Day. And I look forward to seeing who you uncover. Maybe some people listening to this podcast are thinking, let me know about this Remarkables program, about the work that you're doing, may want to be a part of your next cohort. And I'm really excited to see who joins. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You've been listening to Cerebral Conversations, a podcast produced by Cerebral Palsy Alliance. To learn more, check out the show notes to this episode over at cerebralpalsy.org.au forward slash Cerebral Conversations. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate or review on your favourite podcast platform. And to join the conversation, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. The music for this podcast was kindly supplied by Ocean Alley. Check out the band's music on Bandcamp or visit oceanalley.com.au.